0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back. We continue on in our conversation with our Origins series. This actually is uh, wrapping up the last message in our talk series on Origins. And so I have with me uh, once again, friend and our senior pastor,
1: Ray Galea. Ray, thanks for being with us. But you know what I love about this? You're not as tall as when you were in that video the other day on Sunday when uh, I realized how tall indeed you are compared to me or how short I am. Maybe that's a better way of saying it.
0: I, I didn't realize either when we were shooting the video. It's, it's your identity is so confident in Christ so that it just you seem larger than life. <laughs>
1: Put it this way, I needed some hide
0: pills. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was great. I was at Creekside uh, getting ready to give the message that we're going to talk about today. Mm. And just really grateful to God as we're talking about Vision 2023 Mm. and what God is doing. Uh,
1: It's amazing it is amazing and now that we've got daniel on board how exciting is that and i think we're closer than ever before to getting that hotel i think it's in arm's reach now so you know and uh people are putting their hands up to want to serve in the in the next site wherever it may be that's been the exciting thing just seeing people say wherever it is i want to be a part of it and uh, daniel and aaron who are spearheading that third side have just been getting lots of good feedback so that's encouraging
0: Mm, I found preparing for this message on Abram uh, quite personally enriching. Mm. As, I, as we're talking about Vision 2023, and we've had some conversation with hotels that haven't gone through, and, and just to hear of God's faithfulness yeah. to fulfill his promises, mm. it, it actually gave me quite a solid footing uh, to be able to cast vision for 2023, knowing if God can fulfill his promises with Abram, boy, yeah. how much more so with yeah. us.
1: Well, he goes public on Genesis twelve, doesn't he? On his missional vision statement, that's going to basically set the agenda for the rest of the Bible. Eh? To bless the world through the seed of Abraham, uh, I love. I love that. You know, it's just such a major turning point. Mm. And we know because we've se- seen
0: all the installments of uh, the rest of the Bible, the New Testament, mm. the rest of the Old Testament. But really, bring us back to there. Abram is, mm. and it, before his name changed from from Abram to Abraham, he's there god says go leave everything leave your family leave your inheritance leave everything how would you respond if that was you
1: well i don't know because coming from sydney to dubai was a big call but it you know i knew where i was going i knew that i'd been here before i'd met uh and had the chance to uh, meet some of the staff you know it, it was a very different kind of journey for someone like myself and everyone else who makes uh, fellowship their home, because there's still a, there's a knowingness about where you're going. But this is simply taking God at his word and turning faith into obedience with an unknown outcome other than God is gonna be with me.
0: That yeah. is faith. And to not see it ahead of time and yeah. just to go, yeah. it says, God says, go to the land where I will show you. It's like showing up to the airport and saying, okay, where are we going? Well, we're going where the airplane takes us. Yeah. Like, no, I wanna know, I wanna know. And and even Abram as one of the first third culture kids, you know, he grew up in one area and then his family moved to Haran. Mm-hmm. And then uh, God tells him now leave there for someplace else. Yeah. And it, it really touched me knowing we who are global nomads here in Dubai, someone asks us, where are you from? And we kind of have to scratch our heads. What do you mm-hmm. mean? um, that Abram then would leave those roots that he has, that he would leave his inheritance, that he would leave everything he knows just because God says.
1: Yeah. And it is the perfect definition of faith, isn't it? Mm. Taking God at his word. Mm. That's simply, it's, and it's always tied to promises, Mm. isn't it? If faith is never just a, an ambiguous, bland, broad thing, it's like God has issued promises. And those magnificent promises i will make your name great I i'll i'll will bless the world through you you know and et cetera, et cetera. and be you know the, the land and so forth and you think wow here's a guy now remember he's 75 his wife is infertile he's going to be the agent of world blessing through his seed and all he's got is and he's come from parents who don't believe in the god of abraham isaac and jacob <laughs> uh, you know like it's like his first generation Believer. <laughs> mm. uh, he, he goes from being a Gentile to a Jew, if you like. Uh, outside the faith to inside the faith. Cling, that is extraordinary. You know, it certainly is not flawless as you see the stories unfold, but he is, as Romans 4 says, he is a man of faith and mm. uh believe the God who can do the impossible.
0: Mm. Mm. It's quite encouraging to see Abram take God at his word. He gathers everything up, he leaves. Mm. And then after responding in faith, then God's saying, I will give you uh, the land. I will show you then becomes the land I will give you yeah. uh, as he show becomes give mm. when Abram responds in faith. And, mm. and that's just I, I think a lot of times in the story, we know the end of the story. Yeah. And so we go, "Oh, of course, he would go. But in the moment when God says something to take him at his word yeah. uh, it is quite scary sometimes. Yeah. And and I love Abraham as he follows imperfectly. There's great hope for all of us broken folks Mm -hmm. that, uh, (laughs) that yes, we can respond in faith, even if it's not perfectly.
1: You know what I love? The New Testament's more gracious than the Genesis text in my mind. So Romans 4 will describe Abraham as a man of faith, which he is, but his faith never wavered, right? Except you see the Genesis story unfold. And you think, wow, I mean he kind of threw his wife under the bus there a couple of times, you know. I mean, technically she was his sister, half sister, and so you know, it wasn't a lie, but there was a sense where, you know, you 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 feel like, man, you know, you could have done a bit more to protect her. Uh and then with Hagar, you know, he get the covenant is made uh in Genesis 15 and then and then, you know, well, he's now getting on 70 and you know, what starts 75. It's a 25 year wait for him to have Isaac, right? So that's a long time from an old man who's essentially a pensioner by this stage with a wife that can't have kids, still clinging onto that promise of having a son from which then all those other promises are going to flow. That is extraordinary. And yes, he wavers, but, but essentially it's a wavering still on the basis of i'm going to trust his god yeah
0: mm, mm. it's it's like i even though the ground beneath him seems shaky mm. he continues on a steadfast journey even if there's wandering from here and there but he still makes that progress yeah. forward responding to god in faith yeah. as you as you reflect on your own life uh not to the magnitude and degree of, of abraham mm. but as god has led you as he's directed you first of all how do you know it's god directing you and leading you uh well the guidance question
1: yeah yeah that's you know because i didn't get an audible i mean well you know it kind of starts off with when i became a christian you know there was uh, a promise that i had heard seek and you'll find ask and you'll receive uh i then say to jesus if you're out there i want to meet you based on that promise uh, and you know, and then I arrogantly said, "I'll give you three weeks to reveal yourself. I'll I'll read the Bible. You persuade me if it's true." Now there's a promise that I'm trusting in very tentative way, uh, but I'm actually starting that journey of faith there. Till three weeks later, I do say yes to Jesus. Then I trust the promises of salvation uh, that that He died for my sins, that I am forgiven, I am a child of God, and you kind of learning the dimensions of that. But and then you're learning to trust him in the whole of your life, aren't you? You know, with your material needs. Seek first his kingdom, his right, and all these things will be given unto you. So it's moving out of the circle of salvation to the to the whole of life, you know, in terms of how I live my life, the choices I make, saying no to this person for relationship, going to marry that person, you know. But then then the guidance questions within that, like starting in, you know, the church plant that I started after I left Bible college 32 years ago. And uh, just having a quiet conviction that this was, you know, well, my wife and I were planning to go to Malta really to serve there. Sandy gets um, postnatal depression. So we think, why don't we start it? Now, in partly it was kind of like a rational thing, but um, there's a sense where God wants me to reach my people and those similar Mediterranean Middle Easterners. So I went from Malta to Mediterranean, Middle Easterners, and the western suburbs of Sydney, then it broadened. But there was that deep conviction and then confirmed by those around me. So I am yeah, I guess I'm wrestling with inner conviction and external confirmation And because uh, plans fail through lack of counsel. So for me, it's not an audible voice that says, go here, go there. It's that asking God, direct me and 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 you know when I, I often when I came to Dubai into Fellowship, I use the phrase the same conviction that caused me to start MBM thirty two years ago, feels like now the same conviction to to be a part of Fellowship mm. as one of the pastors. So uh, that's how I would describe it. That's yeah. What about yourself, Bill?
0: Mm. Well, I'm really grateful to God that you obediently followed His leading to yeah. come to Fellowship and enjoy. And I have
1: no sense that I ought to be anywhere else. Like that being here it i feel like this is exactly where god would have me be yeah
0: Mm, which is great because a lot of times as expats you've been here over a year by the way happy sandiversary
1: didn't that go quick
0: (laughs) it's been a delightful year uh and and so as you go about seeking guidance from god it's really this open-handedness at the same time like you said Using the rational part of our mind, God God d- did give us a mind to think through things, yeah. and a lot of times God's guidance and direction can make sense. It yeah. doesn't always have to be counterintuitive, although sometimes it might be. Yeah. Uh, and and I'm the same with me. I, there's been times in my life where God has directed me through a, a deep inner conviction, uh, through thoughts that aren't my thoughts and and a, a deep desire uh as god led us to dubai he he gave us a heart for the nations and a heart for diverse groups and and just a heart for a church that was passionate about
1: people who don't know jesus so you had the great commission there that was the general orientation and then more specifically a subset of that was uh an international context mm. where a high expat community where Where you felt the Lord was taking you so that but who did you confirm that with i mean that's you know it's one thing having that inner conviction did you journey with others in that
0: i did i journeyed with uh, mentors many mentors of mine uh, and it was actually through the struggle that god helped us to discern uh really a heart for the nations so it was in conversations with other leaders other mentors conversations with my elder board of the church i was pastoring before that as we had conversations, we knew what it wasn't, and we waited on God to yeah. continue to show us what it was.
1: See, I think I mean, we had the same thing. I let my 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 senior staff know about my journey. Our deacon board, my Sandy said I called too many people up, but people who I trusted. I just wanted to get their take on it in a range of ways, and there were two people who discouraged me from coming you know, 90% would have said, 95% kind of, yes, we think it's a good idea. But even those two who kind of had a different view, even thinking through their questions was actually a helpful process. And I think this is the problem. I find too many Christians make decisions without consulting others and uh, and sometimes can make unwise decisions. Uh, but I think, you know, guidance in the Bible, I think we're essentially called to be holy, to become like Jesus. That's the bottom line. Uh, and then within that, take you know, uh, the inner conviction, the external confirmation and doing that both processes, I think is important.
0: I have to discern God's leading in community yeah, because I know that my, my propensity to depend on myself is so great that, that if I'm making significant decisions, how do I know that it's God's voice and not just my own desire? How do I know that, that it really is the best way to serve the body? Or just something I want really badly, you know, and as much as I'd love to think that uh, I wouldn't have those motivation, I realize, like we talked about last time, I realize my motivation is always split. And so as I talk with other people that know me, mostly men that know me that I'm really close with, uh, really close friends that that I can say, hey, I want you to speak the good, the bad and the ugly about all of this and the questions that people ask i think that's that's a good point yeah you're right and even the opposition that some people have uh then that's when i know okay you raise up a really good point yeah i still feel convicted and i don't i'm not convinced the other way Then, then that strengthens the leading
1: that's true when my kids were crying when we told them and our grandkids and we still had a conviction. That was a pretty good test. Uh, because uh, if you're going to fall fold, that was the point to fold. But there was a sense that no, this would have, uh, uh, this would be where the Lord would have us be. Okay.
0: Mm. And
1: then, and then off we go.
0: Mm. We had family members that we are really close with. They retired, they sold everything eight hours away and they moved three minutes away from our house, uh, when we had two young kids. And then two or three years later we said, guess what? (laughs) We're moving and their response and the apprehension Mm -hmm. of telling them that we were moving was removed. We Mm -hmm. had no apprehension about doing that. We had a real peace that we were following Mm -hmm. God's leading. And and it was at that time that we told them that we thought, "Okay, Father, you really are guiding us this way. And their response only confirmed that their response was saying, hey, we we wish you could stay here, but we understand you know, we understand that you guys are going to listen for God's
1: guidance and we support that. Now, let's say you came and it went, I'd use the phrase pear-shaped. That's an Australian way of saying it didn't go well. You know, like uh, you got seriously ill or whatever. Um, Would that have meant that this was not where the Lord would have you be?
0: Mm, I I think a lot of times we want to say that God led me into a better place that was better for me. Uh, And a lot of times better means that it's – it's either more lucrative or it's safer or it's more comfortable. comfortable. But a lot of times I think God leads us into places where we trust him. And it's only when things don't go according to plan that we really do see that we trust him. And so, yeah, Yeah. if, if we'd gotten sick or uh, I'm grateful to God, it it hasn't happened this way, but if something were to happen to one of our kids or to my wife, then, then I, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't think, Oh, I, I missed it. I didn't choose the right Mm -hmm. path of where God was leading. Uh, I feel like sometimes God does lead specifically, but also I feel like sometimes God's more concerned about how we do what we do than what we actually do.
1: Yeah. And look, I know uh, someone whose parents, she, uh, married, her her mother married a man who was actively involved in Christian things. And then they got married in a year later. So she did, all the right things. She married a believer who was demonstrated faithfulness. And a year later he announced, actually, I'm an atheist. He still kept going to church with her and all that, which was kind of him, I thought. But uh, she had done the right thing, but found herself a year later uh, married to a man who she still loved, but was no longer a believer. And I thought, that's right, because you know she did exactly what the Lord would have her be, but it, she just found herself in a situation less than ideal and you, and these things are truly in the hands of the Lord you can only take the next step based on what you know and uh, there is a there is a sense where a bit like Abraham if we get back to Abraham he didn't have the details worked out he didn't know what was going to be in front of him all he had was just take these next steps and uh and he and, and he died without all those promises being fulfilled but as Hebrew says, looking forward to a country with a, whose foundation belongs to God. Yeah,
0: mm. it really was a long journey of fulfillment yeah. with Abraham because the promises made to Abraham then uh, weren't completely fulfilled. You know, he could have he could have said, God, I, I followed you. And now what? What? This isn't happening. There's mm. not this, that or the other. But we do see that really after Genesis 12, uh, that's a huge hinge in mm. the Bible that a lot of other promises are built on yeah. and we see what God says he'll do in Genesis 12, he does. And because he does that, then we can see he is also faithful yeah. to fulfill his promises.
1: Now in Genesis 15, you got the covenant. So you get the promises in Genesis 12 and the formalization of the, of those promises into a covenant, um, between God and Abraham. And what do you make of that splitting of the animals and, uh, uh uh and while abraham's asleep what's going on there
0: yeah yeah when you think about it uh in this day and age if i were to uh, have a, a contract with my landlord and and there were two animals you know an animal split apart and blood in the middle and it's just that would be seem very awkward but uh back then it was it, god cut a covenant with abraham and he cut a covenant and saying you know what if I don't, and by the way, he's, God's the one that passed through, and as God passes through, He's saying, "If I don't fulfill this, may I too be like these animals, uh-huh. uh, ripped apart, uh, because because of broken promises, there is bloodshed mm-hmm. uh, with broken promises, and that's the serious. It, it's it's uh, <laughs> there's a saying that we used to say as kids. I don't know if you did in Australia, but you know, cross my heart and hope to die, okay. right? And so yeah. it, it's saying this is so serious mm-hmm.
1: that it's a matter of life and death. Right. So And that takes you to the cross, doesn't it? Because mm. the breach of the covenant was made by us, but God took upon himself the consequences of that breach at the cross, taking the curse of the law that we had broken uh, uh, in our place, which is wonderful. I love Genesis 15 is important because uh, you've got there also the, the doubts of Abraham and God has to take him out. Look at the stars of the sky. So shall your descendants be. And he's thinking, well, you know, there's nothing happening and it's been a decade now and I've been waiting and clinging on to a promise without fruit. And I love that Genesis 15:6, and he trusted God, uh, Abraham believed God. In that context, that he would have descendants, as many as numerous as the stars of the sky, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And Paul makes a big deal of it, doesn't he? That, that that's the basis of justification by faith, that you and I are justified 2,000 years after Christ in exactly the same way as Abraham was 2000 years before Christ, trusting in the promises of God. Mm. I love that. Mm. Nothing changes. Mm. Our right standing with God is trust, not works, but trust.
0: Even in... though we are the ones that are the promise breakers, that Even we though, are the ones yeah. that yeah. are experts at yeah. failure, Yeah, the God paid the price. Yeah, It's just, it, it's mind boggling. Yeah. Well, what advice would you give somebody who, is waiting on God. So you mentioned, uh, Abraham was waiting 10 years and nothing happened. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give somebody that they're saying, I've been waiting on God to do this. I've been waiting on God to fulfill Mm -hmm. a promise, or I've been waiting on God to guide me or lead me.
1: That's a very good point because that's, uh, what promise are you exactly trusting in? So I always remember the guy came up to me so upset his girlfriend dumped him and he said, but but God promised to give me the desires of my heart and she was my desire.
0: <laughs> so first question ask, what are you waiting on? Is it one of God's promises? <laughs> yes.
1: And you know, there are broad and narrow promises, aren't they? And, uh, and so, what are your deepest desires? Well, is it to glorify God and serve Him, uh, or is it that every every preference, every preference I have, and every desire I have, and every want I have, I'm going to get? Well, you could go down that road, but you'll be guaranteed it's going to be a road filled with disappointment because we're not we're outside the garden and this side of the new creation. So, so uh, that was an interesting conversation, isn't it? So, you in the in the end, you're, you're basically I'm trusting that. Uh, firstly, I'm saved. I'm uh, God is my Father, and keep. Recycling, trusting not recycling trusting in those promises that you know my daughter I think I mentioned to you this mentioned this to you the other day she said that uh, every there's a moment every day where her alarm goes off and it it's answering your question by the way but it's the long way around and in the alarm when she gets that alarm reminder it's saying to she says to herself my biggest problem is solved that is I'm forgiven I'm a child of god i'm I'm inside the family of God heaven is my home da da, da. And now I'm going to face every problem today in light of the fact that my biggest problem is solved. And I think that's so important in guidance, that all the big questions have already been fulfilled. I am secure in Christ. Then I trust God with an open hand, like you said, isn't it, whether it's about a relationship, that I don't have a specific promise on that particular prayer request. Um, I can pray confidently that God can do more than he can ever ask or imagine. But it's, you know, we do pray your will be done, not as an excuse to protect ourselves from disappointment, but a recognition that in the end, God has the final say. And, uh, you know, I was talking to someone the other day, you know, and they're, they're in their 50s and they've been praying for a partner, and thus far that partner hasn't come. Um, and it's not to say that within the, you know, we, and I said, let's pray that before the year is out, God will give you someone to love and to journey with and, uh, and, uh, but, you can't quite pray that and trust that prayer in quite the same way as I know what Jesus is going to say to me on the last day, because I I know that that one is locked in based on a specific promise. The other one is a broad promise of ask and you'll receive, and uh, and so it's a much more general promise. Any thoughts on that?
0: Mm.
1: No, I think it's
0: good. I think to ask for the the scope of the promise. Am, am I waiting on a promise that really is a promise, yeah, or is it just wishful thinking on my part? And then to notice not just the kind of the validity of that promise mm. but also who's the object of that promise is it something that i benefit or am i relying on god's character yeah if i'm relying on god's character yeah. i know i can trust yeah.
1: that if it's just fulfilling my own wishes then then i do have to ask questions mm. you know that's i reckon you've touched on something that i think is a mistake we can often make we turn our wishful thinking into the promises of God. I always remember the story of two women in a church I was a part of once. They were both in their early 50s. They both developed cancer. They were both absolutely certain that God had promised that they would be healed. And, uh, And so you couldn't actually talk to them about preparing for death because in their minds that was a denial of the fact that God had made a promise to them. And they clutched onto a promise all the way to their death, and it was sad because they had an opportunity of bearing testimony to the fact that to live is Christ, to die is gain. Die young, die old, either way, I'm dying in Christ with that assurance. I always think, as you, you know, as Bible-believing Christians, we're at our best in the way we face death. But they were trusting in a promise that God never made, and they died with a sense of objects of pity rather than inspiring those non-Christians around them in the hospital to think, wow, they are going with confidence. And I think that was the danger and it didn't make Jesus look good as a result. So it just shows you it's not how strong your faith is because they had enormous, they had absolutely, they had no doubt in their faith. The only problem was they weren't trusting a promise that Jesus specifically had made. They had turned their wishful thinking into the promises of God. And that was a tragedy. Yeah, mm.
0: goes back to what we were talking about: discerning yeah. God's leading in community. Yeah, and, and when community speaks into that truth, to to listen to the community, yeah. and and the Bible is saturated with promises. Yeah. God's speaking left, right, and center in in His Word. There's so many promises mm-hmm. in Scripture, uh, and a lot of times we have to know well. Are those promises for the people in the Bible? Are they promises for us? Are they general promises? Are they yeah. specific promises? And and I'm really looking forward to our upcoming sermon series on promises, where we're going to unpack Amen. these promises uh, of God and, and talk about how they do apply to our lives yeah. and, and how to discern that.
1: And I, I think, depending on what tradition, you either don't trust God in sufficient— you, you only trust God in the areas of salvation and not beyond— and and I, and I would say that's probably more the evangelical, if I would put it, mm. problem, you know, that we limit the scope of where we're going to trust him in. Um, and perhaps, I guess, our uh, the charismatic uh, brothers and sisters will trust him in everything, but in a way that can fall into the name and claim it. And we both need to learn from each other. Mm. One, to, to celebrate the certainty of salvation. And the other to know that God actually wants you to trust him in more than just salvation categories, but in the whole of your life. And that's what I think, that's what I love about fellowship. You know, we have uh, a range of traditions expressed in our fellowship. And I think just like we've got uh, different cultures, we've got Christian traditions that are speaking into each other. And I, for one, have actually been blessed by that. Yeah,
0: mm. It's beautiful to read the Bible with someone and the Bible is a, a- great document that is from God, but it ultimately points us to God. And yeah. so I love reading the Bible with with other Christians because they go, yeah, but, but what about this? Or what about this? And yeah. what about this? Yeah. And, and there's a way that we get a, a more robust understanding of the one true God yeah. than we could ever uh, acquire on our own. Yeah. Uh, it's just so, it's so delightful To be able to experience that, particularly when it comes to God's promises and what God says he will do,
1: he does. And the beauty is, you know, you look at Abraham, God never asked him, you know, when you get to the big uh, declaration of faith, when he is after 25 years of waiting for a son, and he finally comes and then sees him grow up and then is asked by God to offer him up. And now in the end, God will never ask of him what he will only do himself and give up his son, which is beautiful. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Um, but but, but I, I realized one day God didn't, uh, God didn't start Abraham at that point. Abraham actually learned to trust God. Now, it was a big call in Genesis 12 it was a much bigger call uh, in genesis 22 when he had to offer when when he was prepared to offer up Isaac knowing that god would raise him from the dead and uh, and so in that journey of over 10 chapters and 25 35 years cuz abraham's growing uh, isaac's growing that's faith and that faith so it's not just believing it's actually growing in your belief isn't it learning to trust god more and more mm. and abraham's the man of faith and a model for us in that.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's developing that trust muscle that we exercise. It, I love that. And there's there's trust pain, muscle. There's yeah. <laughs> there's suffering. Use it or lose
1: exactly. it. Exactly. Exactly. Keep and, using. Keep trusting. And, yeah. and and as
0: we continue to trust, we see as we trust in the character of God, we mm-hmm. know that we can trust that. And trusting in Him more than ourselves, that trust muscle is flexed. You
1: know where I find that the most in the area of two areas money and relationships hmm. money it's like you know if you just have give safely it's actually a safe faith you never it's actually putting god first giving him your first portion your best hmm. portion and you think how is this going to play itself out? anything how did god answer that he, he did take care of me i've always loved those many stories in my life and lives of others of putting seeking first his kingdom his righteousness and God comes through, mm. however that looks. Mm. And what was the second one I said? I've, relationships. And relationships. You know, when you've got to maybe have a difficult conversation with someone, but you know it's important and I'm saying, Lord, I'm going to trust you. Oh, I need to have this conversation. And you think, wow, I'm so glad I trusted God and I took a personal risk in having whatever conversation I needed to have. Mm. Them's two areas that I think uh, just keep our faith living and active. Yeah,
0: That reminds me, Ray, I need to have a conversation with you. <laughs> Our time is up, the conversation. How can you say this to me? How
1: can you say this to me? <laughs>
0: uh, uh, we're, thank you for being with us. Really appreciate the conversation thank you, about God. promises. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us as we continue the conversation in our Origins series. And if this has been a helpful conversation for you to listen in on, uh, either this conversation or any of the others during the Origins series, I encourage you to just leave a comment in the comment section. Let us know uh, how you have enjoyed listening into this, if it's something that we should continue to do. Uh, and I also want to invite you to our upcoming series on promises, mm-hmm. where we're going to unpack for nine weeks promises of God. So. Uh, Really delighted that you could join us. And thanks again, Rick. Thanks, Bill. All right.